0: Some of the content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Irish section of El Politico is recorded at 1 30 pm on Thursday the 3rd of March
1: 2022. Okay, uh we're back for the second part of El Politico and shortly we're going to be joined by Parig McMahon from the Clare Echo and we're going to discuss things Politically,
0: nationally. Yeah, and I think, Paul, there's going to be a few that uh, will be more local than we would have thought that we will <laughs> be discussing. So, a uh, local show for local people. Exactly. Now, uh, hopefully with the press of a few buttons here, we should have Porrick on the, on the end of the line. Porrick, can you hear us there?
2: I can, let's uh, right. go to speak to you.
0: Great. Right. Now, Tom, you want to mention a few things just before we talk about Irish politics and maybe... Uh, events, we'll say, at Shannon Airport and down in Money Point.
1: Yeah, it's, it's all very interesting. Um, Shannon Airport, you can lead into that, Luke.
0: We spent time talking about um, you know, people's reactions and stuff like that, and one of the great things that people would have reacted to, and Porik would have written a number of articles on it in relation to, and this is going back to, uh, I suppose, COVID, pre-COVID, uh, the Antonov, the great plane that came into Shannon. Porik, can you tell us a little bit about what has happened to it?
2: yes um there's been a lot of victims unfortunately with the with the X over the past week and the Antonov is um one of the the others uh other casualties so there's um quite a lot of upset from the aviation geeks if you want to call them that um with the with the with the destruction of what is the world's largest aircraft um you know it was always something anytime the Antonov was landing that there'd be large crowds coming to shannon they come from surrounding counties they'd come from all over clear just to see it landing and you know like it, it would have cult status i suppose within the aviation world and you know for some people it was in the last two years it was maybe a sign of hope in that it was bringing in large shipments of the the ppe during our response to covid um you know and, and it, it's only of of all the airports in ireland it can only land in shannon due to shannon of course having the longest runway And so no harm that, you know, it was a nice perk for Shannon to have over Dublin, that it was always the the choice for the end to have to come to. But, you know, from what I can gather, it's going to take up to up to about five years for it to to be refixed and repaired and a cost of three billion dollars. Um, is what the expense would will be for, for repairing it and for doing everything that needs to be done
0: Yeah, the Antonov, I suppose, uh, to explain to our listeners, was originally a plane that was being designed uh, to carry parts for the American Space Shuttle back in the day, would you believe? And then it got repurposed as a cargo plane and it brought in lumps of uh, PPE and I suppose its last visit to Shannon was before Christmas and uh, it was bringing, I think, uh, stuff from China basically for uh, Christmas decorations and various other bits and pieces so maybe the the pandemic was starting to roll down a bit when it wasn't bringing as much ppe into, into the country but uh yeah it's it's one of those things that you know I, I i know i i didn't see it in the flesh myself but i i did follow it on the flight uh, radar a lot of the time and i sort of surprised by you know it's for such a big beast it, it didn't travel at a huge rate of knots it took a while to sort of get up and it took a while to get down you know to come down but uh mm-hmm. yeah I, I presume you saw it in the flesh park did you
2: I did um I saw it, I'd say twice at least so I think it's been in Shannon about seven times. Yeah. Um the first I think 2005 was the first time. So um six or seven times it's been in Shannon and I've seen yeah. it twice and um yeah a sight to behold.
0: There may be less Russian coal coming to Money Point. Similarly, uh,
1: tell us more about the ESB and its decision Carrick.
2: Yeah, well just um as of Thursday afternoon there's just whispers coming from ESB where they're saying they're going to, they're not going to take delivery of Russian coal to Money Point uh, for the foreseeable future, um, and that's with you know following concern expressed this week uh, West Clare councillors that uh, at a meeting on Tuesday agreed to send a, a letter to ESB. I don't think it was the letter that swung it, but you know there just was it was a conversation that had been started. I know a scarf-based Claire TD michael mcnamara had submitted a parliamentary question uh on the matter but you know just looking at it, i suppose some of the facts of it in 2021 almost all of the coal burnt at money point came from russia and basing this possibly on inflation prices that'd be calculated at being worth about 300 million of, of a deal so sweden and denmark had already made the decision to stop buying coal and biomass from from russia um but it's like the officials in the department had said that the ESB were keeping their their sources open. That was earlier in the week, but then it's kind of emerging today that the ESB have since said they're, they're not going to take delivery of Russian coal to Money Point.
0: Yeah and pre- previously uh, the coal that used to come to uh, Money Point was from Colombia if memory serves. It was nearly always from South America is, is what it came I, I, I can remember being down there back in the early 90s myself seeing a a, a coal a, a ship, a ship would be a small word for it, these huge uh, bunkers are arriving in. It's a sight to behold actually the amount of uh, product that was taken and the man that was sort of giving us the guided tour down Money Point said oh yeah, that last about two weeks and you know they were going good holy god it was about three or four hundred you know thousand pounds worth of coal at, at the time, you know, one ship coming in. But uh, I suppose we, we could look across the border to uh, the Limerick side and there's Ahanish, and there's probably concerns in relation to that as well, because that's a Russian-owned company and Ohanish I think, uh, provide employment for three or four hundred people. And I'm sure there's probably a number of Claire-based people that, that work there as well. park we leave it there from the, the Russian side of things and we're going to come back to things a little bit more local. And... Uh, Two political events have taken place in politics in the last week. And basically, we'll start with the most recent one, which is um, Alan Kelly, Tipperary man, and sort of would be heavily associated, we'll say very close to Balma and stuff yeah, like that over, over, over our side, um, who has uh, left. And is there anything that sort of comes to mind, or what's your reaction to uh, him stepping down as leader of the Labour Party?
2: well it's just i suppose the reaction from people in the party locally um you know when i put a couple of questions to them they said it was backstabbing was the word they used within the within the step and so you know, not, not an unfamiliar side to politics uh, going on um surprising in the sense you know it's it, his term was only two years and i think he had maybe pledged on a, a candidacy of he'd be out and pounding the flesh and meeting the people obviously hindered to do that due to COVID nineteen, but. You know the party didn't seem to make any bit of waves, as the members had said it was very stagnant in the polls. And one of the big turning points, as I'm informed, is the, the fact that the Duncan Smith, uh, Sean Sherlock, and Mark Wall, who's a senator, and the two guys are two TDs. They had came to Alan Kelly and said the party has lost confidence and almost a case that he had lost the dressing room so that took the, the fire out of um, Alan Kelly who many people have nicknamed AK47 due to his um, personality and, and how he's conducted himself over the years but maybe comes as um, as a bit of a surprise I think but other people are kind of saying it's hinting at um, the general election when you see the likes of Labour maybe trying to tidy up things and, and put forward a new front but you know it, others are saying he's I suppose, association with Labour's last term in government, you know, and serving as a minister, that that maybe hadn't helped and worked as a clean break. So a um, b- bit of an interesting, but like Labour had kind of, in parallel with their terms of the poll, they just seem to be out of the spotlight. So um, it does come as a surprise, but then, you know, is are too many people talking about it as well at the same time?
3: Mm. I think it's very true, Porig. Um, it's a real political anorex thing. Um, I suppose hindsight is a real 2020 vision thing as well. And when you look back now at the by-election in Dublin Bay South the last year, that the Labour Party won, and Arlene gale lost, Arlene gale lost. Whatever we want to, is a glass half full, is a glass half mm-hmm. empty. Um, any leader, especially of an opposition party, in the middle of a government term, they always get a kind of a, a, a boost. Um, from a by-election if they win it. Andy Kenny famously saved his leadership in 1994 um, with the by-election of Michael Ring up in um, Mayo. Um, it does help, it does help in a huge way. I suppose, as I said, when we look back on that now, straight away, once the Labour Party won that by-election, the, 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 the conventional wisdom was that it wasn't that Alan Kelly had done it, it was that very personalised Ivana Batchik Win in a very personalised constituency. So maybe that is probably an indicator, or looking back at it now, would have been an indicator that um, maybe all was not well. I think myself that the Labour Party have huge problems. You know, it's very hard to see where it is that they fit into the political spectrum now at this stage. Um, They just haven't been able to recover um, since 2016 and their period in government 2011 to 2016 and it's very difficult to see how it is that they can recover you know their ground has been taken over you know, what, what you would have called their traditional ground has been well taken over now at this stage by Sinn Féin um, their association with that 2011-2016 government and even Alan Kelly as a, as, as a minister in that government they just have not been able to shake off.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think, 100%, I think you're right. And, and someone else kind of quipped to me that they're almost Social Democrats light, or, <laughs> you know, a, a Diet Coke of you know, Social Democrats, but it's, um like I was just even looking at it locally, they, they they have a bit of a presence in our clear, but just to go back to the 2019 local elections, there was about 51 candidates uh, between all the parties in Clare, and Labour only ran one. Hmm. Which is, you know, shocking enough. Like I know Pascal Fitzgerald would have been, you know, counselor. he had he he'd been accounts for two to three terms, prominent enough. But there doesn't seem to be anyone. And you there, you'd say the same about the Social Democrats. I know they ran candidates, but they're they just seem to have gone quiet as well. And clear. Bush, um, it I suppose the front runners from what we're hearing at the minute is is I, Duncan Smith or Ivan Babic, Um yeah. and I thought Duncan Smith uh, when the doll was in the Convention Centre, I thought his contribution with regard to the Healy raise was one of the That's most right. outstanding contributions we've seen in the doll in recent times. And like that was a social media clip that kind of went viral, but it said, well, like, Sinn Féin seemed to have got into that market and Sinn Féin are, are, doing, are doing, doing very well on the sound bites. whereas, I don't know, maybe Labour need some bit of communication expertise because their message, it isn't getting out there, but it's not um, resonating with the public either.
3: I, I just think that that whole ground has been totally cannibalised and taken over by Sinn Fein, the Social Democrat ground, the um, the Labour ground. It's this. It's not the hard left ground, which just is its own little um, show, but it's that ground where a party are potentially a member of government, and I think. Social Democrats and Labour have been pushed off that ground now and Sinn Féin occupy it and exclusively occupy it and they're not allowing them back onto that field. It's very hard to see um, how they can make both those parties actually now. Now Labour are in the focus today because of Alan Kelly. But it's very hard to see how both those parties can um,
2: you know, rejig themselves or, 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 or get themselves going again. Well, I, 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 I kind of agree, but I think there's huge potential there. Like as we maybe talk about floating voters and whatever, but like a lot of people that would have voted for Sinn Féin in the last general election wouldn't be died in the woods, Sinn Féin. So they wouldn't have much party loyalty. So if those kind of parties in that vacuum could kind of resonate with the public in a much better way, you could, you could see it. You know, you could see people flocking over to him and like we even saw the Clare Byrne Live thing. Was it an attack on Sinn Féin or not? But like there are possibly going to be a lot of things highlighted about Sinn Féin, you'd imagine, before a general election comes. And I'd say maybe that's part of the argument that, that some of the likes of Sean Sherlock and these people came to Alan Kelly to say why are Labour making no inroads? Because, to be fair, maybe in his two years as leader, Bárdi, Ivan at Báchik win, and I don't think he could take much credit for that because the electorate in Dublin Bay South, they wouldn't, I would say, wouldn't find Alan Kelly endearing or someone they'd resonate with, you know, whereas Ivan obviously is someone they would. So um, I don't think he could take much credit for that, whereas they've made very little progress in the polls. And, you know, obviously the polls that matter are on general election day, but... There just doesn't seem to be enough. I think there is there is potential for a party to get in in, in that kind of space, that while Sinn Féin are particularly dominant on it now, I think, you know, they're not... The people that voted for aren't, you know, staunch Sinn Féin people. And I think if the message is right, that's hit them, they could peel away to, to other people. Just in relation to Alan Kelly, he was kind of a a divisive
1: sort of character, really, wasn't he? From a point of view, even in his early days, he came across quite arrogant, wasn't he? caught on the microphone saying a few things that he shouldn't have said in some, um, I think he was on the docks up in Dublin, and there was some, he was doing a presentation, he said something on the mic that came across extremely arrogant at the time, and it was picked up on, but uh, even from the, how do you say, the leadership point of view of Labour, did he get the, the kind of the leadership role through default because there wasn't a <laughs> yeah, good exactly. enough team there to pick another candidate? Was it Brendan Howling was before him? That's beforehand,
2: yeah. But, well, he would, have, he would have contested the, the leadership contest with Aidan or Irdan, who, you know, was maybe that type of open-base, out profile type mm. person that they, they went for. But I think, you know, that he might have resembled a kind of old type politician and that during the pandemic he was involved in something we reported on at the time but he he put forward or recommended the an NS based company e- Eco Integration Solutions um, you know he recommended them to me, Hall Martin I don't know is it common that or he recommended them to the HSE for, for the contract for the PPE, PPE and basically the that company has become the biggest Irish supplier of PPE to the HSE and it was all because of Alan Kelly getting involved and emailing Paul Reed and the head of procurement to recommend them. Um, and it just kind of, to me, would have wreaked a bit of cronyism. And, um, you know, he, there's there must be a connection or something that Alan Kelly is where that company. But I, I think for those voters that I maybe would have referenced a few minutes ago, for them to go with that type of stuff won't wash with them. You know, they like stuff, openness, transparency, those type of things. And, and that it's not maybe jobs for the boys for one to a better work. That's, that's mm. one of Paul Bugler's favourite terms,
1: cronyism. Well, yeah It's,
3: it's an interesting because it's extraordinary when you just look at the way they operated in the UK when it came to PPE and when people take a, a longer look at that that was the model that was used, significant political players recommended onto fast track for companies that were even established by politicians to provide PPE then. So there's a little, if there's a a hint of that, it was extraordinary in Ireland that there wasn't, didn't seem to be more of that with kind of winking and nodding from the political class to the kind of um, um civil service class head of the hse head of the department of health or whatever that would be probably something that might not go down that well all right but then having said that just as, as we're talking about it here and we talked to the the, the, the the potential leaders of the labor party ivana bachy gaydon or rear duncan smith you know the labor party has a strong it's the oldest political party in the country Older than Fine Gael, older than Fine Fall, you know, it's it's there since the, the kind of the I think the before the First World War. It's the oldest political party. Um, it has always had a kind of a significant rural influence, if you want to call it that. Very significant TDs from a rural background you know Brendan Corish as leader of the Labour Party in the 70's, Dick Spring from from Kerry Kerry from Tralee, his father Dan Spring Seamus Patterson, Willie Penrose, laterally, John Kelly over in North Tipperary um, you know and uh, Alan Kelly now at this stage you know shifting totally to the Dublin Bay South philosophy of politics mightn't kind of you know I'm not sure that it will, it's, it's trying to get a balance but will it be the kind of the the the, the thing that allows the labor party to get itself up and going again i would um i would have a lot of fears for the labor party i think you know that their period in government did them significant damage because you had a lot of kind of think people who supported them felt that you know that the change they were voting for in 2011 was just not Happen, just didn't happen with the government that they got then and the participants in the government at that yeah, point. Yeah, and
0: I, I suppose we, we'll always talk about minority parties and government always being the ones that sort of get hit the worst. The And, later, and maybe Labour's uh, ter- turn... Then it'll probably be the Greens the next time around. Paul, uh, sorry, Park. I want to bring things back a little bit local because I uh, said th- this is what I said. You are the, the, the head of uh, news and and sport uh, for the Clare Echo and News, and you have your ear to the ground the whole time. And uh, we alluded to it before the last time we spoke to you. Said now I know we're, we're about two years out. We'll say from the council elections, you know, and this is where we say you know the future can can be uh, uh, bred at the council elections how do you see you you mentioned there is labor had only one candidate last time around is there anyone that you can see coming up in the future
2: um well i i don't know what he put himself forward for election but um it's it's noted that derek and former Te hurler is a member of the labor party oh. and, and has a keen interest in politics i'd say he'd be a very good candidate i i like a lot of his observations and commentaries and mm-hmm. stuff uh, I find are uh, generally on the money a lot of the time, and you know, it, 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 so it, it, like someone like him would, would be very good for Labour to maybe look at. Um, obviously, Dennis Vaughan is the, the party chairperson. He won an election or internal election over Seamus Ryan. James Ryan,
0: yeah.
2: Recent week, Seamus Ryan had been the one of the 51 only Labour candidate, yeah. um, so he was chairman at the time. He's now based in Dublin. Um, Dennis Vaughan is based in North Clare. Dermot Hayes long-term activist i don't think he'd run again he had left the party and let's believe he's now has since rejoined um but it seems to be that type of a young candidate had flocked towards the the sort of democrats and we saw that with the likes of chris Kerwin and Ennis and, becca Dyle, Rebecca and, Dyle and Dyle here becca doyle yeah you know so but i was just thinking there as we're, as we're talking like in and labor maybe as you say paul fighting for its existence and you know it was just one of the things i'd have remember watching in years gone by and stuff but the likes of rory queen had nearly come to prominence during those the Gentle Revolution as it was called and those protests whereas uh, you know they, they just don't seem to be making noise anymore Labour people or even you know in that type of vacuum whereas it's Sinn Féin or mm. out front and centre uh, Violet Anne had been heavily involved with the Pyright while she was a Sinn Féin member whereas you know There's no one even seemed to be, obviously the pandemic had been difficult for people to maybe get in and get behind campaigns and stuff, but, um, you know, for talking about people filling those vacuums, even locally, there's there's not that much being done from from people outside of the circle, I would say.
0: Yeah, and I suppose, uh, Porek, that's perfectly timing to bring us in to talk about, uh, I suppose, the big news of the last week, and I know you have an article we'll say, written, we'll say, for this week's Echo in relation to it, and that is that Violet Ann Wynne has stood down from her position in Sinn Féin, so will you sort of tell us uh, what news you have and the latest updates that are there and uh, why she felt compelled to do so?
2: Yeah, still, um still a major shock, even though we're, we're a week on at this stage. But um, she, she 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 would have spoke to all media since. She's done plenty of interviews. Um, but um, she has revealed when I was talking to her that um, a snub from Mary Lou Macdonald, obviously the party leader, was the straw that broke the camel's back. And that snub being that Mary Lou Macdonald didn't make contact with her via text or phone call or email or letter, fax, whatever you want, to congratulate her on the birth of her sixth child, and... Um, and like, it just comes back to maybe that, that she has said as well, she was called an effing when she told um, a friend of hers who had been a friend in the party of her unplanned pregnancy, um, you know, as well. So there, 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 she has said that there, there was a culmination of local issues. A lot of that to do with collaboration and communication in the party. Like, so she would have said to me that she had requested all the various, there's a number of commons of Sinn Féin within Clare, and she had requested personnel and them to just feedback. The information to her like what's the issues on the ground you know because her profile wouldn't be wouldn't be major she's based in Kilrush so you know and it's what you'd see from your Finnegades and your Fina Falls that they'd have you know their various supporters dashed around the county they'd be feeding back whereas she wasn't getting that information back also staffing was another big thing she she's had she had three parliamentary assistants during her two years as a TD and she didn't get to have any input into the hiring of those and um i think there was at one stage during that two two of her staff members both went out on sick leave on the same day for a period of six months um in what she kind of said was a coordinated effort um there was also frustration with the opening of her constituency office she was the last of the tds to open that obviously joe carey would have had an office before and michael mcnamara had been a td previously so it wasn't a big job for him whereas col had had his office open on francis street and um, she just um internal um locally that she didn't have the support of people and um that she she'd always appraised the relationship she had with the TDs, but just felt the support wasn't there locally and um the the reaction obviously or or the lack of congratulations from Mary Lou Macdonald was that was kind of effectively it and she'd have said that confirmed the way she'd been feeling that she felt alone and isolated in, in the party and of course in her statement she used the word that there was a campaign of psychological warfare, which was which was fairly strong.
3: Mm, yeah, it's interesting. That's a great synopsis there, Poppy, of of of, of a, a huge amount of issues and variety. The one that strikes me, I suppose, having been kind of involved in it, when you don't have control, you know, you're. And I do remember you remember as well, probably the um, the count up in ennis diamond um, this time two years ago. You know, and she was, you know. She, she was an elected TD and it was very obvious she was going to be an elected TD. She was, I remember we interviewed at the time on Scarborough Bay Radio, Violet Ann and her campaign manager there, a well-known Sinn Féin activist. Now he was, he, he took over the interview in a lot of ways in his own way, but he, he, we, we allowed that because he was, you know, he had been at elections for a long time and he was obviously euphoric, but he definitely, you know, and as you talked there about her, her staff, When you don't have that ability to hire your own staff, the political sphere is difficult and you really do need to have a relationship with your parliamentary assistant, with your constituency secretary office. It's it's essential, it's critical if you're going to be a successful Oireachtas member that you get to decide um, who it is that's going to be working on your behalf. And if that relationship um, isn't there, you're going to really struggle. You're going to really, really struggle. And you do get that sense with a lot of the Sinn Féin TDs that they're not in charge of their own affairs. And that makes them potentially weak um, as public representatives.
2: Yeah, and I, I that's one of the events I was think that's been coming back to me since the news is that election in the Falls Hotel. And I remember even sitting down with you, we were kind of going through the figures and there was surprise that Violet Ann Wynne that she was polling so well in areas like team mm. that she'd never even been to. But I just, my way of just looking at it is, like, I've always, from talking to people in different political circles, they've never been able to accept that result, that Violet Ann Wynne got elected. And, you know, I just remember talking to people in Sinn Féin, and I say there was euphoria, but there was just shock. Shock. And they couldn't believe it. They were delighted, but I just find people talk about democracy, but they've never actually accepted that the people declare vote are in And I think Sinn Fein completely have done that as well. As you're, you're right, they've 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 been shown to to show poor treatment of their people. But um it was in the Times Ireland done, and I think it was from talking to senior Sinn Fein people, and I think it's highly accurate. But it just this appears to be an effort by Sinn Fein that they're just cleaning up their act a bit and maybe shoving out Mm -hmm. the candidates they they don't want in advance of another general
1: election. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm the most uneducated politically of the crew in the room and yourself, Pari. But it seems to me, looking on from the uneducated eye, that it didn't really matter who Sinn Féin got over the line as long as someone got over the line. And one of the questions that was asked, I think, around the country at the time of the last election was, what would have happened if Sinn Féin had run more candidates in certain counties, that it didn't matter if it was Joe Murphy or Miss Wayne or who it was, that people would have gone out and voted Sinn Féin just to change the vote. They didn't want to vote for Fianna Fall, Fianna Gaelou, it was, didn't matter who was up on the Sinn Féin banner, they would have voted for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was in, was it Kildare, that there was a candidate for Sinn Féin who was had missed even the last week. Well, she, well, was on, she, was she, she was on holiday. She was on holiday. So that kind of d- 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 verifies the point you're making there, Thomas, mm. but as well, I just, I don't know, did we preface it the last time we were on with Saturday Chronicle, but we, we kind of, briefly touched on this and Sinn Féin having the opportunity to run an all-female uh, ticket yeah. um, and it would have been a fantastic opportunity for them and then obviously it brought us, we, we referenced Noeline Moran on, on that particular day and on that one I Donna McGeshkin spoke to the Claire or she's the Shannon based councillor mm-hmm. um, and she also, uh, I put the question to her, she hasn't been in touch with which and Wynne since since she announced she was going so that's one of the things as well violet hasn't had a lot of people about her but i did put the question to donna mcgethkin that you know there seems to be a small history even with noeline more inciting difficulties within the party when she withdrew her name and um donna's response just quoted her where she said every party has problems i won't say we don't have problems i think sometimes people can whip up a storm when there isn't a storm it was unfortunate and unfortunate noeline took her name out of the running you never know she could have been a td um, so that was the end of her quote, but I, I did try to contact Nolan Moran and Thomas Gilfile, who was Violet Anne's campaign manager for comment during the week, and neither neither came back. Now, there is whispers um, within political sources that Nolan Moran may make a comeback to Sinn Féin. Oh right so okay. we'll we'll have to watch that space um that space, so they, yeah. they they may run an all-female ticket yes but you might still um, get the
0: all-female ticket that you ticketed yeah. last january okay so i i know parker we said uh, uh, your time is valuable and we don't want to be holding you for much longer we'll ju- just finish up with this violet Anwin, has she indicated whether she's going to resign her seat i presume she's got she's going to see out her maternity as best as she can for the next few months and she- to which she's perfectly entitled to and uh, does she intend to uh campaign and stand for election next time round.
2: she i she had said before any of this had happened that she'd expected it was going to be a short maternity leave now it, it may be shorter than she would have liked she's going to stay as an independent td um and hasn't at this stage said whether she's going to contest the next i'd imagine she might but i wouldn't be surprised either way but mm. she, she has she has hinted that more more is going to come out uh, in terms of her uh, in, uh, you know, her dealings with Sinn Féin locally. There was an interview um, yesterday on Wednesday morning, I didn't get the full interview, but Thomas Gilfeyl of Sinn Féin was on, and I had spoke to Violet Anne after that, and she was very annoyed with some of the comments he made with regards to teamwork and kind of hinting that Violet Anne wasn't pulling her weight within the party. So she's going to come back uh, with further responses to that and um, with regards to Particularly on the opening of the constituency office, she said she felt alone on that, so there's, uh, there will be more from, from her. So it may, it may be damaging for Sinn Féin, um, and it would also be highly even more damaging for Sinn Féin if Violet Ann was just to maybe sit back and become an absent TD for the next while, because the people who voted Sinn Féin would be saying, what what did I get when I voted for them? So it would be mm-hmm. very interesting to see how it pans out. Okay, well, lot, lot,
0: yeah. lot, lots uh, to look to in the next uh, weeks and months, and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, be back in touch with you, pork and uh, chatting all about it. Listen, our thanks to you very much for that, uh, as always, Head of News and Sport uh, with Claire Echo, Porrick McMahon, and Claire Echo is out every, every Thursday, and uh, we urge and, uh, uh, everybody around uh, Clare to sort of get a copy of it and your new service for which we spoke to you last week in relation to the subscription. Uh, we wish you the very best of luck with that and uh, we we'll would say for journalism in particular because as we've alluded to, uh, the early part of the show that you was weren't listening to uh, over in uh, the eastern side of the continent, uh, the media is sort of sadly lacking and uh, is sort of state run and uh, can guarantee you one thing, uh, I don't think anyone in Clare echoes state run at all. <laughs>
2: Well, thanks, thanks very much, lads, and, and just on that, I see the Echo Moscow has been liquidated after reporting on some issues in, in Russia, so I hope it's not an obvious sign. So. Fair enough.
0: Parik, on that note, we'll uh, leave it there and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks very
1: much. Thank Good thanks. luck. Yeah, I think it was very interesting when Parik um, said at the very end, uh, more to come, yeah. and I think there are three words that certainly could be very significant in the weeks and months ahead of of more to come. Possibly also with Alan Kelly, I thought, in relation to the story about the PPE gear and bits and pieces, (laughs) maybe there is more to come Mm -hmm. in that story and why he's had to leave the party. Um, Luke, it's been another great afternoon here in El Politico.
0: It started in the morning, Tom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now I know that. I thought it was an antelope. It's not (laughs) the antelope, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's a plane and it was over in Ukraine so <laughs> yes. I've learnt an awful lot today on El Politico so that's, that's it. it for another uh, how would you say afternoons strange entertainment of the political side of things
0: not not what we would have parta- or thought that we would be talking about
1: mm, no. no you know, no, no. Absolutely not. And as I said, um, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. I said in the it's, weeks. It's
0: come. paused the great line. The weeks a long time in politics. There you oh, yeah. You absolutely. know, absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. Right.
1: So listen. Big thank you to Paul Bugler and the Guru Lou Fleming and myself, Tom Butcher. We say, adieu, stay safe out there in whichever part of the world you're in, and uh, we'll talk very soon.
0: Right here on the Bowron,
1: This is June. Father, he died, made him a mannequin, left
3: him a farm into acres of so ground. He gave a grand party to friends and relations who so didn't forget him and come to the wall. If you but listen, I'll make you eyes glisten at Rose and Ruptions at Lannigan's ball.